Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in Mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but Alan, the annuals don't count. And I am the available Alan Scherstel, filling in yet again here on the Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Talk podcast. I should learn the name of the show. And I have read most issues of Amazing Spider-Man, but I originally stopped reading when I was young during the Clone Wars, because it was just enough of this crossover madness. I wasn't enjoying it at all. And I have never gone back and read like the 20 or 30 issues that I skipped. So not only do I not own them all, I've not even read them all. And yet here I am in your ear hole. Thwip, thwip. You're missing some great stuff with like Electro and the Rose and like X-Man. I'm, I'm just saying and like X-Man would probably it would probably help for today's issue that we're about to talk about. But before we get to that, I want to welcome you all to The Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this review episode of The Amazing Spider Talk, which is just Alan and I, just for the record. I'm just putting that out there. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to the Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show that does not have me on it. And sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. And if you want to hear our oldest episodes, including some tremendous interviews with industry legends like Mark Bagley, J.M. Demetrius, and Ron Friends, which I did by myself because there was no Alan at that time, check out our new podcast feed, Amazing Spider Talk Back Issues. Today on the show, Mark and I are going to be discussing Marvel Team-Up, Volume 1, Number 117, starring Spider-Man and Wolverine, written by J.M. DiMatteis, pencils by Herb Trimpe, and inks by Mike Esposito. Whoa, 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 Alan, 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 Alan. It's Dapper Dan here. Either, either you're butchering the names of the creators of this issue worse than Mark, which is hard to believe, frankly, or... You're mistakenly reading credits of some random issue of Marvel Team-Up, which, you know, maybe thematically appropriate. Is it ever random when it's Marvel Team-Up? I'm just saying. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome back to the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, Dapper Dan Gavazdan. <laughs> welcome back, Dan. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just so happy to hear that you're here, but... I mean, I also 
I was really looking forward to connecting to my friend Mark Giannacchio tonight. And suddenly, like my millennial sense is tingling and I hear the, the, the braying, insistent tones of someone not born between 1965 and 1980. And I don't know, like, Mark and I, we're going to just kick back tonight like we always do and talk about Spider-Man, Wolverine, George Brett, Mookie Wilson, Cheers, Walden Books, We Are the World, The Go-Bots, Zima, The Romancing the Stone movies, and, 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 and the day that America lost its innocence and was shaken to its core, which was when the TV movie The Day After aired on ABC. And we were going to com- talk about all this communicating in about 80% Simpsons quotes. But now you're here, and I guess we got to throw it out the window and talk about this comic book. I mean, 80% Simpsons quotes. That's down from like 100% Simpsons quotes. I'll take it. I'll take take any reprieve I can get from this Gen X energy. The generation that time forgot. And and for good reason, uh, after I've been listening to the past half dozen episodes. The only generation that knew how to program a VCR. That's fair. I'll say I've engaged in about half of the things you described. Walden books? I mean, where do you think I got my early comic trades? That was a that was a go-to spot. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be back. You haven't lived in until you entered a contest, uh, a phone contest on a rotary phone, okay? I'm just saying, like, you know, trying to be that 10th caller. You haven't lived until Pizza Hut and Walden Books teamed up to give you free personal pan pizzas through the Book It program for reading a book. It was just the thing to reward my youthful inactivity sitting around inside the house. You'd read a book. You'd tell your teacher you read a book. She'd sign off on it. And then you'd get a free pizza. I would say you could also get that free pizza with your NES copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, which was just re-released on the Switch. And I am just like in love. I'm just saying right now, like my Gen X powers are just soaring so high right now from that re-release. Well, you know, thematically appropriate enough with the Book It program at Pizza Hut, you could also get a plastic cup covered in Jim Lee artwork from X-Men number one, that awesome wraparound cover. And that was my first introduction to Jim Lee X-Men. So, you know, I do know about the Book It program. Maybe I'm sliding into this Gen X thing after all. I don't know. Was your first exposure to hip hop and rap music, Dan, was it all verses that started with, my name is blank and I'm here to say? Because if, if you haven't lived through that, you're not Gen X. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll get off the train there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be back talking Spider-Man comics with you guys. I wanted to say thank you, Available Alan, for uh, filling in for me for the past, what, six issues or so. Not only did it really help me kind of like take another thing off my plate, although I still did a bunch of episodes with Mark, so I don't know how to stop. It was also really just fun to listen to you guys. You know, Alan, I, I you know, I always try to get you on the show because I think you bring a really keen insight and energy to the show. And, um, you know, you're always welcome back on Amazing Spider Talk whenever uh, you have like an excess of Gen X backup that you need to unleash on the, uh, the radio public. Yeah, it was really great uh, listening to you guys. And uh, I just, every time I, first of all, it was like watching your, oh, look, I have a child that's going to learn to walk, but you know, seeing amazing spider talk without me, was kind of like another one of my children learned to walk. It was, it was really fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. And even though I might've been shouting at my phone when you guys made fun of me, 
What Dan is actually thinking is like, oh, my God, Mark didn't screw it up while I was away for the last few months. I mean, I think that's what he's talking about in terms of the whole walking thing. When I got a recording on a a Sunday night, Monday morning, I was like, praise God, it it happened. (laughs) Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mark, for for making my load easier. Mark, you've been a great co-host. I've had a great time with you. But I mean, I I miss hearing Dan on the show because I listen to the show. And I certainly don't listen to it when I'm hearing my voice on it. And and Mark, I, I feel like Dan has a different metabolism than we do. And this show needs that metabolism. I am happy to come on here once in a while and talk a bit about my feelings about where Spider-Man is going or whether he's going anywhere or whether we're ever going to get where he's supposedly going. But uh, I'm not going to come on and offer elaborate theories based on clues about like all the stuff I'm, I'm just not going to bring the the puppyish enthusiasm like like a puppy with a uh, with, with with a magnifying glass looking for clues I'm not going to bring that level of enthusiasm that Dapper Dan brings oh my god I'm like a Nick Jr. cartoon come to life <laughs> Well, all, all I can say, if I if I can get into the, the, the compliments and praises is, Alan, you know, you, you helped make this transition, which admittedly was a little scary for me. I know I joked about like, oh, you know, Dan was like, oh, good. He, he didn't screw it up. But, you know, Dan, Dan is that metabolism is the heart and soul of the show that I think drives this forward. I'm just kind of the guy who sits back and, you know, like Waldorf and, and, and what's his face and the Muppets just makes, com- you know, it's another Gen X reference, likes to make comments about the comic books. But Alan, you know, we, I, I, I feel like we, we found a way to click pretty quickly with this. And, you know, I, I looked forward to continuing the show in Dan's absence, which I didn't know if that was going to be the case when Dan disappeared. So I, I, I thank you for, for, you know, filling in, but doing more than that. I think just kind of adding a new personality and voice to the show. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, it's Dan. I, I always kind of feel this is Dan's show, but I, I'm, I'm going to say point blank, you're, you're, you know, the door is always open for whatever you want to do on this, because I think, you know, like you're, you're just awesome. And I really appreciate the work you did here. Thank you, Mark and Dan. I, I appreciate that. And if this show ever needs to break new ground by bringing in the perspective of a white guy in his 40s, give me a call. Dan, what is actually the contents of this episode today? Why don't you tell us? Yeah, well, let, let me just begin that like puppyish magnifying glass correction attitude here by saying, no, the issue we're actually going to be talking about as I push my brim of my glasses up is uh, Amazing Spider-Man Volume 6, Number 9, written by Zeb Wells, interior and cover art featuring pencils and inks by Patrick Gleason, John Romita Jr., colors by Marcio Menez, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue was first released on September 14th, 2022. Uh, I got a big reaction from Alan there as I pronounced Karamanya right. I've oh my god! Why didn't I you was, tell me? I've been I mean, saying I've been Caramonia saying it wrong too. I guess. Weeks and I thought I had it right. 
I thought I had it right. And wait, you're telling me <laughs> it's only, Manya. Mm-hmm. I was only on six issues. My God, I feel like I've been doing this for a year. <laughs> you know, one thing that I think is going to be an improvement on the show in my absence is, is that I'm going to take over pronouncing the names and Mark is going to take over the summaries, which I think we can all agree was a welcome upgrade. So, Mark, <laughs> why don't you summarize Amazing Spider-Man Volume 6, Number 9 for us? That's right, Dan. Just because you're back doesn't mean I'm going to relinquish my grip on the summaries. It's the only way I can just work that Gen X energy in into overdrive here. Not to mention, like, you know, make like veiled shots at both Marvel and you uh, throughout the episode. So, like, let's have at it. Uh, We open at the Hellfire Gala. Spidey opines, you might be wondering what he's doing there. You don't say. Mary Jane is apparently being held hostage by Maura Mataggart, right? Admittedly, my X-Men mythology translator is in rough shape, but I think that's what they mean by Moira. We get through a who's who of awkward interactions between Spidey and the mutants until we get to Spidey and Wolverine plotting MJ's jailbreak. A mutant called Gateway zaps Spider-Man and Wolverine past the gates, and there's a melee against some mutant-hating shock troops, heavily armored. They succeed, but Spidey has to wait until MJ telepathically leads them to Moira so they can take her out and free her. Moira is done with MJ anyway and threatens pretty much that she's going to kill her off when Grey Crow, a mutant with a gun, shows up. I can't keep up with these guys. Seriously, folks, who is this guy? He looks like a remnant of the Liefeld Jim Lee era. And I just looked that up wrong. He's actually from the Chris Claremont JRJR run. So continuity with Spider-Man with uh, bringing in a Ramita character. Very good. Wolverine and Spider-Man show up with some EMPs. And after some major threats from Moira, they win the fight for now. But on the way back to New York City, MJ is being distant. Peter wants to talk, but guess what? MJ can't do that because of responsibility. Well, the plot's kind of in the same place it's been since this run started, but hey, they can't possibly drag this storyline out 75 issues again, right, guys? My first reaction to this issue was, great, I'm coming back on the show, and this was my welcome back uh, gift, which is uh, not an issue I dug very much. Uh, You know, one of the interesting things about this, I think, is that I had been bugging Mark for a while to pick up the Hellfire Gala issue, knowing that, like, this issue was coming. Mark has been, I don't know, Mark, how would you describe your reaction to that? <laughs> I mean, do you want me to really just get right into it here? Because I yeah, can get yeah, right yeah, into yeah. it Yeah, 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 go for it, go for so, it, go for it. So, yes, yes, Dan, you, you, you have been, you know, kind of concerned telling me for the last few months, you know, you really need to read this issue. Uh, this this is Hellfire Gala tie-in. It's really going to tie into Amazing Spider-Man number nine because you're one of those people that reads the solicits and I don't. I uh, It kind of got to a point where, you know, and I don't know if I said this to you point blank, Dan, but I, I, I kind of felt a little spiteful about it. Not towards you. I, I don't want to ever make it sound like my beef with Marvel is actually reflected in my relationship with Dan. It has nothing to do with that. But, Dan, your enthusiasm to read all of the tie-ins and everything, I, I guess I do have beef with that, but that's okay. Anyway, point being, <laughs> point being is I, I made a stand at some point where I was like, no, 
I'm not reading this freaking tie-in issue because as a regular reader of Amazing Spider-Man, they need to bring me up to speed in a, if they're gonna if they're gonna lean heavily on this outside event that it, you know it's an X-Men event, it's not a Spider-Man event. If they're gonna lean heavily on this event in an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, they better have a really compelling way to draw me in and to get me up to speed. Or I'm just gonna like, you know, do what I'm doing now, which is just give my very honest take what the story is and my understanding of it with zero context of this tie-in issue. Because I'm a person, quite honestly, I, I you know, I, I might be damaging my fanship bona fides here. Like, I get all the spider books, I get a few other series. I have a huge pile on my shelf of to read. The only thing I get to like instantaneously is Amazing Spider-Man for the purposes of this show. So to expect me to like go even deeper into that list to get other tie-ins and stuff like that is asking for too much from from where I'm at right now in terms of what I can keep up with. That is where I'm at for now. I can go deeper in a bit, but Dan, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit from someone who has been reading these other books about how you felt this tied in. I have actually taken it upon myself um, like a couple of years ago to read nearly everything that Marvel has published just through Marvel Unlimited, mainly because I need something to put me to sleep every night. The joke between Amy, my wife and I is the X-Men comics are basically my like tryptophan. Like they just reliably knock me out every night like because they are just such nonsense. And I think at this point, you know, I've gone back and started from like the Rick Remender run of Uncanny X-Men and Uncanny X-Force. And I've kind of read a lot of X-Men like from that point on. I think like the Bendis era is where like I officially jumped on the X-Men train just to be like, can I understand X-Men? And I'll say for the record, I've not read much of the Chris Claremont era. So that's probably like my real like like you know Achilles heel here is like I'm not reading the primary source material but like when you read about 20 years of any one comic I think it's a fair assumption that you should be able to follow the goings on of said comic you know it's been up and down I think House of X and Powers of 10 the Jonathan Hickman stuff is really excellent and if you haven't read it I would encourage you to go read it because it's a bold storyline that of course the editors at Marvel have padded out for the past whatever five years now and really milked dry but the biggest thing is there's just and you alluded to this in your summary there are way too many characters like I remember the like the 90s TV show and that lineup being pretty concise and understandable and the relationships between all of them was understandable and I imagine that's the appeal of the Claremont run um, but now it's just like even post Scarlet Witch, no more mutants. There are just so many mutants that don't even resemble mutants anymore. Like I remember when mutants were human beings with powers and now it's like a dragon mutant. And like, how far can you stretch this concept? And I'm sure there's X-Men li like readers that are listening to me say this, like you're being, you know, apocryphal or whatever. I just think that that line is a complete and utter mess for new people coming into it. And so, like, I, I think I've expressed on the show my my hesitancy about this upcoming dark web X-Men event crossover that's going to take over this book. And this issue to me, which like the canary in the coal mine, 
And it really worries me because if you're not the most diehard X-Men person, I, I, I think this issue is incredibly difficult to jump into. And is it like the, the complicated mythology of X-Men is almost the exact wrong thing to pair up with, especially this grounded run of amazing Spider-Man. Like I could not think of two things like bananas and meatloaf. Like what, like what, 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 what is the worst combination imaginable? And it's not like this issue is like terrible. Like Alan's intro saying it was like a Marvel team up issue. I think it's right on the money boy, as an interruption of what we've been getting, this is what point ones and one shots were meant for, not just interrupting the main story of this book. As much as Zeb Wells tries to tie it in, you know, very perfunctorily, I think it reads okay if you've read the Hellfire Gala issue, which is like weirdly obsessed with Spider-Man. But I don't know, man, a Wolverine team up where they save Mary Jane does not need to be saddled with this much weight. Uh, on it, not to mention the free comic book day issue that set this up gave Aunt Anna dementia off panel. Like there's just so many things layered on top of this comic. It can't possibly be just borderline enjoyable the way the last few issues have been. Anyway, that's my long spiel. But to say, I probably agree with you despite 20 years of X-Men reading at this point. I just want to like kind of add to further flesh out I guess my bona fides, if you will, is like, you know, I, I kind of to the inverse of you, Dan, like I've read a lot of classic X-Men. Like I've read a lot of like, you know, the Kirby stuff and the Stanley stuff and obviously Claremont burn run and even some like the Claremont JRJR stuff. I, 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 although I forgot gray claw, whatever the hell his name is. White claw. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, Ma- Ma- uh, mango white claw. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of a, a a fascinating fact I'm about to reveal. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show openly, but like as a follow up to when I wrote 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, the publisher reached out to me and said, we need to do an X-Men book now. Do you want to do that? And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I do not want to stick my, I, I mean, like this was like free money basically to like, just, but like, that was the thing. Like the, the, the idea of sticking my hand in that hornet's nest of X-Men stuff was just so overwhelming to me. Cause you know, at that point, I mean, this was like 2017, I guess, give or take. So like, you know, the, the X line was already kind of blown to smithereens and, and yeah, I mean, like that was, you know, so from my take as someone who's not been reading the, these stories, I mean, this 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 book was utter nonsense for me. I mean, like I, I, you know, I recognized some of the some of the characters that were being referenced, but I'm like, oh, so wait, what side is Mr. Sinister on and who's Cyclops with now? And and like, what is this? And like, you know, I was kind of being glib about it, but like, okay, they, they kept saying Moira, Moira, Moira. I'm like, all right, which who do I know from the X-Men from McTaggart, McTaggart. That's it. That's it. It's, it's just like, it's, I'm not versed enough in this stuff to just kind of jump into it. And like, I mean, let's be, let's just be honest here. I mean, like we're, we're coming off a storyline of like, 
you know, first we got this this really awesome, rich tombstone story. And then we kind of follow that up, you know, ignoring Amazing Spider-Man um, 900. It's not to say I hated it, but, you know, like it, it, it it's kind of the sore thumb of, of that run initially. Don't worry. This, the run has almost largely ignored it, too. So. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, but like then we follow this up with this Vulture story and like things with Norman Osborn. I mean, like classic Spider-Man characters and elements. And we're just getting thrusted into this universe that I have no connection to whatsoever, no relationship to. This is like exhibit A of what I hate about modern comic books. This was just like thoroughly unenjoyable for me as a, as a fan of Spider-Man and just as a reader. Like, I, you know, like I shouldn't have to work this hard to read a comic book. That's the bottom line. And like that you could you can call me out for being lazy or unenthusiastic. But like this is the stuff where it's like if if this if this if this is your expectation for me as a reader to just be able to jump into this without having read your other stuff, you you lost. You you did it wrong. And if this is how you're going to draw me in to read about X-Men, you also lost because like this doesn't sell me on the X-Men in any way. It's just a bunch of cameos. It's people coming in and coming out. And I don't even feel this does much of a service to the Spider-Man story because I feel like they're shoehorning these elements in. Like you could have done a, a Peter and MJ story of this ilk in the realm of Spider-Man and I would have been more on board with it. But instead, we're like bringing it like, you know, she's being mind controlled by Maura McTaggart and she's going to kill like like we're just artificially raising these stakes up to tie in all these characters. Like it's just from a narrative standpoint, an utter failure for me. I'm just saying that outright. I haven't given my grade yet, but from a from a storytelling standpoint, this is an utter failure. Like I, I, I just cannot find what the enjoyable through line is for this. You know, the other difference between like this and like a Marvel team up or a two in one is the fact that like, I mean, those books are designed as diversions. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you would read at the time Marvel team up because it's like, hey, one month he's with Johnny Storm and the next month he's with Werewolf by Night. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, OK, there we go. I mean, like it was the randomness and kind of the non sequiturness of it that was kind of the appeal of that series if that's what you chose to read but like you know amazing spider-man is for all intents and purposes still the quote-unquote flagship series of this character and it's like you know that's where i want to go to read the main narrative of spider-man and you know marvel has not done anything to indicate that that is going to change anytime soon we'll see what happens when dan slot has his own adjective list spider-man series if you know things get prioritized differently um but in the in the interim asm is still the main book so to kind of you know and dan you alluded to this in your intro like if you want to like do uh, a spider-man x-men story because you know nick lowe's got connections to both of them and he wants to edit x-men again do do a one shot or do a point one. Like, I, I don't understand why this needed to be an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Like, this is just like, I don't even want to call it a cash grab because I have no idea how much this sold. But like, like this is this just felt like a waste of time. Like this was this was a, a two week diversion from the narrative that 
you know, frankly, I'm far more interested in and I want to hear more about and like just kind of shoehorning MJ in at the end is not enough for me. Like, because I, I don't feel like that was organically tied in and we can get to that when we talk about the MJ stuff later. But like, there was nothing about this book where I'm like, this felt like a Spider-Man book to me. This just felt like some like random story that had Spider-Man in it. My big thing about this is like, I really just feel like there's not a lot of care going into this title in, in a number of ways. Like, okay. So like I appreciated the opening of this book that kind of at least attempted to recap elements of the hellfire gala with, from Spider-Man's perspective. But then like those Marvel team up issues, they don't have a page that gets to explain the events of like where these characters come from. This book does. And it never once mentions the Hellfire Gala or like, hey, go check out that book. Or here's a quick like paragraph summary of what happened in that title. It like is just completely hands off. It's it's not sending you the little like floaty wingies so you can swim in the big kids pool. You know, it, it, it is completely abandoning you or at least like prioritizing the wrong thing to help you you know, uh, get up to date. And yeah, like, would I rather like cool art pages that um, can update me on the story in every issue of amazing Spider-Man instead of, as Alan has critiqued uh, poorly edited paragraphs of text. Uh, yeah, but it's a, it's a bad prioritization of resources. It's easier to get caught up just by reading text. And, and that really bums me out. And then I compare this to like other top books at Marvel Right. Like, let's take, for example, Immortal Hulk. Would they do this to Immortal Hulk? Would they have canceled Immortal Hulk for a week and thrown in a completely random story? I don't think so. And so it suggests to me that, like, just because Amazing Spider-Man is a biweekly title, that they feel like they can just do this with this title. And in many ways, it makes the title feel cheap and not like Spider-Man, like the Marvel's marquee story which i think this issue suggests very clearly it's not this is not meant to bring spider-man readers to x-men this issue to me is very clearly trying to get x-men readers to pick up amazing spider-man and you know whether that's the 90s returning again in uh you know in some fashion um you know is yet to be seen i think a lot of the trends of the 90s are back it suggests to me like a deprioritization of the specialness of Amazing Spider-Man. I got to be honest with you, Dan. I don't think I've ever saw something quite as poorly tied in as this was in the 90s. And, you know, that's saying something. I, I you know, I'm I'm rack, I'm racking my brain right now. Like, yeah, there were plenty of crossovers and special editions and whatnot. But like this is just like, you know, <laughs> Here for the for those for those watching at home and playing the drinking game of Mark phrases. This this has the the grace and style of being attached with a rivet gun. Uh. <laughs> and you know this gets to kind of like and I'll I'll stop my rant here, but this gets to like an even larger kind of umbrella, which is the recent like past few years of Spider-Man trades. Whenever there's a crossover, they don't even bother to put the issues in the right order inside of the books. They like just shove them in there, like all out of order, expecting you to do the homework of flipping through the trade 
and finding which is, you know, issue you should read next in this Spider-Man crossover mega event, you know, like it would be like reading spider Island and having all the amazing Spider-Man issues first. And then like all the subsequent stuff afterwards, which readers of that know, like the venom story actually turned out to be where some of the most pivotal stuff happened and you can't read it afterwards. And it's just kind of like not being very well, like clearly articulated. There's not even a guide in those trades. And like, I've been thinking about that a lot because the trades are how like one of the largest audiences of this comic, you know, interact with it and there's no guide for them at all. And the question is like, is this out of neglect or just lack of caring that that suggests something really like not great for this line? You know, as much as we love the issues that lead into this, like this falls into that same territory is like, is this out of neglect or just like not caring. I I, I don't know. So uh, how about the Wolverine team up, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to well, transition. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like we've we've beaten this to death. That's all. Yeah. Well, Bub, um, <laughs> I I I I tend to think that Wolverine is one of the best team ups with Spider Man in comics. Like I know people are on this whole Deadpool kick. But uh, Wolverine to me has always been the most fun team up with Spider-Man, even though it's relatively rare. I think like Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine is like one of the most fun Spider-Man team up comics uh, out there. And of course, Spider-Man versus Wolverine, which we've talked about a lot on the show. And here, like there's a couple of nice moments, but like, again, I don't think that this needed to be shouldered with all the weight of a free comic book day issue. Hellfire Gala, like all of this nonsense, like there's an inherent joy in these two opposites attract uh, characters. And I, I don't think that this best utilized that. Yeah. I, I mean, just to jump on that. I mean, like, yeah, I, I agree with you. Certainly I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a traditionalist. So I would probably, if I was going to say like, who, who's the best partner for, for Spider-Man, I, I, I have to say human torch just cause that's you know how I am, but like I, I certainly from the modern era, I would say Wolverine is 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 a great team up choice. But that said, I I don't like I don't know if that relationship was truly utilized here. Like pretty much everything else about this comic, like it, it, it's it felt very perfunctory in terms of how we we're putting these two characters out there. Like you know, like again, part of the the allure of using these two characters together is, you know, like the, the, the opposites attract or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I mean, we had a couple of moments where Wolverine is like, no, we're going to do this. And Spider-Man's like, but no, no, I need to save MJ. But like, I didn't feel like that was like a true character examination of like how these characters approach things differently. It was just like, oh, let's just create conflict. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there, there, there was nothing distinct about this storyline that I felt utilized these two characters' personalities in any kind of meaningful way. So like it's it, it just kind of, you know, in, in, in the long lineage of rare but effective Spider-Man Wolverine stories, I don't know if there was anything special or unique that, you know, even a few months from now would call this one to attention. I, uh, that, that's, that's all I have to say about that. 
I think it's a, a you know a particular shame because you know I think if allowed to do something simpler, I have very good faith that Zeb Wells could could pull it off. Given you know I don't know Mark if you remember much of his avenging Spider-Man stories, but he wrote some really touching, really wonderful team ups in uh, that you know run. None that I think included Wolverine, but I I think about the Hawkeye and Captain America uh, and even the Hulk issues being really good time and you know probably partially the reason why Zeb was given this job in the first place so to see him kind of like deliver a very eh team up that doesn't really utilize what's most fun about team ups is disappointing just because I know he can do it so like if if I know he can do it I have to think there's some other element getting in the way of him being successful and you know I have to lay that at the feet of like doing an event crossover which this book definitely didn't need. Anyway, that's my two cents on that. Mark, we're at about the middle of the show here. Why don't you tell our listeners about our Slack? Yeah, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Dan, I even, like, just wrote one comment about this comic on the Slack. I mean, you know, I don't know if people engaged with it because I haven't checked it since I wrote it, but I did it, so I'm on the Slack. What about you? Well, Mark, we appreciate having you there. Uh, you, you kind of, like, uh, are dropping, like, a stone in, in, a, in a very still pond because every time you show up, everybody loses their mind. It's Mark. It's Mark. So if you go back, you'll see that your, uh, your one comment was met with uh, one wide-eyed uh, bemusement and, uh, and excitement that you, uh, you've you graced us slackers. Um, but uh, yeah, I hang out in the Slack all the time. Um, you know, what's really neat about the Slack is it's kind of starting to like create its own creative output. So like a few of our members have gotten together to create a stop animated movie with their like Spider-Man figures and things like that. And, um, you know, we have a bunch of Ben Riley fans in the Slack uh, and they've been curating like a music playlist for the character that they think like kind of like would sum up the character they want to listen to when reading old Clone Saga issues. You know, it, it, there's just kind of like this community that brings all of us nerds who probably should have other hobbies together um, to produce new things. And I, I think that's a, that's kind of neat, like to have people just sharing their love uh, and, and collaborating together in, in this way. So, you know, if you want to join our awesome Spider-Man community that Mark pops his head into from time to time, just follow the link in the description. And um, like I said last time, uh, be sure to say hi. We have some people that like join up and then they never say anything. And I just have to think that they're like a ghost in the system. So, you know, come say hi once you're in the Slack. And um, I know you'll be met warmly by our community. So um, that's the amazing Spider Slack. I hope to see you all there. All right, Dan, let's get back to our review here. Why don't we talk a little bit about uh, the return of Patrick Leeson to the book? Look, I mean, he's a great artist, but was he was he a great storyteller here? What do you think? You know, I think it's a mixed bag. I think he gets kind of like a thankless task here, which is like to say, I don't think he had got a great story to draw. And and maybe if he had something, you know, a little bit 
like uh, juicier to work with. I think he probably would have done a better job. I mean, we express how, um, you know, enthusiastic we were about his work in the beyond era. And, uh, you know, I think this is not far from that, but it definitely has a lot of like really big action splash pages. I found a little bit confusing to follow in terms of the action, especially on the heels of like JRJR who like in comparison, you can see just how much control JRJR has over his storytelling. And that might be just like, because he, you know, his grandfather, you know, in, in this, in this system so much that like Zeb is able to trust him a little bit more. Like, I don't know what the working relationship is. You know, people that are critical of JRJR, I would point at, you know, this issue compared to the previous issue in terms of how the action is depicted. And maybe it's apples and oranges. Like this is more Todd McFarlane than is Ramita. I prefer the really clear storytelling of J.R.J.R. And I think this is a great illustration of what makes his work so special. How about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree 100 percent with that. I mean, like that's a, a beat a dead horse here. But like, you know, this comic definitely like reminded me of a 90s X-Men comic in terms of like, you know, I always think of like that, you know, you refer to it earlier, the, the infamous X-Men number one with the, you know, the crossover covers. Uh, there's this great double page spread of like Magneto talking and like, you know, all of the X-Men around him and it's Jim Lee. And it's like, it's, it's like, you know, peak Jim Lee in terms of like, look and feel it's so cool to look at, but like, Oh man, as a storytelling device, it's just terrible. Cause it's just like basically like Claremont, like orating uh, over this like really awesome image. And like, there's no actual story happening. It's just talking and posing. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, like I like to think that Gleason is above that. Like, cause we've seen him. I mean, not only just as an artist, but also as a, as a writer, um, he knows how to tell stories. I don't know if it was just the limitations of what he was working with here or whatever. I mean, you know, you saying it's a thankless task, I think is, is probably, close the closest to the truth that we're going to get on that yeah i mean like there there are pages here that are pretty to look at and i enjoyed looking at them like it's good art and it's in in a vacuum but it's not good storytelling and you know like i i i I don't know if there is any sequence of this comic from a visual standpoint that felt elevated by what gleason did because the story was just such a mumble jumble of stuff but like Hey, you know, these were cool pages to look at, I guess, you know, so it's it's that that element is probably the one I don't want to call it saving grace because I don't know if, if it's been saved. But like it's one minor positive in, in, in a litany of negatives. I have feelings about this comic, but like there are some nice pages. I can't I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, this, and it, look, it was terrible to look at. It wasn't terrible to look at. But like I didn't get any story from the art. <laughs> it doesn't have a lot of nuance uh, uh, to it. And, you know, that's not to say like like the images, like you said, are beautiful. I love how he, you know, is very clear about his foregrounds, middle grounds and backgrounds. Like in some images, you'll have like people clawing the nano spiders out of their eyes and Spider-Man posing with. MJ and in the background there's like shadows of the fight happening and it's like what a cool layered image but it's just so much to look at like there's something about the simplicity of Ramita Jr.'s artwork that like makes every beat really connect and here it's like 
it's it's maximalist you know storytelling that can be really great but it's you know uh, if you ever see a transformers movie there's just so much visual action going on that instead of me thinking it's cool and leaning in i like lean back and it just glazes all over me like like my i i just it just i'm un i'm unfazed by it because it's just an avalanche like i, I don't i think that's a little bit harsh to lay at Patrick Gleason's feet here because it's an objectively like really nice looking and it's not bad storytelling, but like, it's just a really nice indicator of the difference between the two. I will say I do really like his way. He renders the suit that he designed. Uh, I think he actually makes it look really cool. And I liked JRJR's take on it, but like I can understand like why this suit, when it was put forward, people were like, Oh, like, like the editors could be like, this looks cool. Whereas before I was like, this is kind of a lame, like redesign with not a lot of updates of an idea that we already saw in the big time run. Like, but with Gleason rendering it, it makes me excited about it. You know, just to backtrack a little bit, I I, I feel it's similar to your comment about Zeb Wells and the team ups. I, I, I think part of the, the criticism here for, for Gleason is we've seen him do better. You know, like in terms of storytelling through the visual medium. So when when you don't get that as much here, you you're just kind of like, oh, all right, that that I I guess he's he's not doing that. You know, the 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 costumes, the characters, like you know, all of the figures, they all look good. You know, like it, it looks good. I mean, you know, like I don't really care about the x-men universe but like you know mr sinister looked cool uh you know cyclops as a pirate looked cool i mean <laughs> you know what i mean like it, 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 it's it, there's nothing wrong with it but but yeah i i just you know the costume looked great for spider-man you know mj looked stunning although there, there were moments where frankly like she looked i want to say so good but like so different than JRJR's interpretation of MJ that like I, I was almost like wait is this like actually Mary Jane or is this some kind of like cloned ex-mutant version of her or so I, you know I, I had a moment where I was trying to like keep up with it because of the universe we were dropped into here where I was like wait is this MJ MJ or is this MJ with so-and-so's physical influence or whatever so whatever I, I point being is like I, I there was nothing that, you know, I think you mentioned this earlier from a storytelling standpoint, there was some muddiness and confusion in terms of driving the plot. And, and, and that was certainly an instance. Well, I don't blame you for a second because like, I actually found the whole like, uh, MJ, is she a hologram or not on top of Moira really confusing because there are moments in the comic where it just Moira with her Brown hair walking around and the implication is that's like who is underneath or like in the mind of Mary Jane or who's in control, I guess. But in other yeah. times it's not doing that and it's really unclear. So like if you don't know how the Moira thing functions, which, you know, how could you? Uh, because it's changed a half a dozen times in the past year in pages of X-Men comics, despite me really liking what Jonathan Hickman did to the character in 
in House of X Powers of Ten, which I won't ruin for you, Mark, because I really think you should go read that comic. Okay. Um, it does something yeah. really cool with Moira. Just don't um, make me read it because it ties into Spider-Man, okay? That's all I'm going to say. Like, there's a reason people want to read Krakoa X-Men, because... Jonathan Hickman did something really cool and everybody else has kind of fumbled the ball ever since his thing is really cool to me that like even as someone who's read all the books and knows what's going on with Moira I was like wait a minute who are we looking at right now um but th that's a good bridge to talking about Peter and MJ which I think is kind of like Zeb's way of going like okay I need to make this not feel very perfunctory to the main story. Let's make it about Peter and MJ, which like I applaud that because I think you and I have said on the show in the past that like a, a amazing Spider-Man writers should be judged on how they incorporate events and tie-ins into the main story because they're just in the modern era forced to do that. You know, with Nick Spencer, we were like up and down on his run, but I think he handled tie-ins pretty well like yeah the absolute, like absolute carnage, carnage crossover yeah. was great mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so okay forgetting all the like x-men nonsense like did we get anything out of peter and mj's relationship and how it appears in this comic mark i'm gonna say kinda but not really i i i, I mean and and this you might this this might be where we diverge here it sounds like but like you know, for me, I, I felt like there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors going on here where we're, we're, we're kind of framing this like, look, look, we're telling a Peter and MJ story we're we're we're, 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 we're drilling down a little deeper. But like, I feel like if you actually take a step back and look at the elements that were actually given to us, we're really no closer to knowing more about what's happening here than when we started. And, and that's frustrating to me. I mean, like. You know, when when this all started in, you know, issue, you know, in the relaunched issue one here, you know, I said, like, hey, I'm really intrigued by this new status quo. But I, I, I I'm a little skeptical about the fact that we're, we're starting with a mystery box again after kind of frankly being scarred by the mystery box of Kindred um, in the in the Nick Spencer run. And, you know, you and others, frankly, have kind of you know, assured me that, look, no, 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 like, you know, we've learned our lessons and, you know, we're not going to go through all that again. And, you know, that, you know, we're still only at issue nine. So that might be true. I, 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 I can't jump to that conclusion. You know, comics like this make me highly, highly skeptical that we are going to get it's not even about it being a, a satisfactory conclusion because I, I don't even want to take the quality of where this story goes into question. It's it's about the the cadence and and the 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 pacing of the story that I, I'm just I am so distrustful right now um, in terms yeah. of Marvel's editorial. I, I, like like they've given me no reason to trust them. I I I, I don't I don't. I just can't blindly be like, no, it's going to be different this time. You know, we're, we're getting this diversion of a story. And, you know, again, I feel like we're getting it under the guise of, but no, we're, we're, we're advancing things, but it's, it's, it's just, it's MJ saying like, no, we can't be together right now because you know why, you know, like responsibility, but like responsibility doesn't say, anything about why? what the situation is you know what i mean like so it's it's just throwing 
you know, Spider-Man buzzwords, for lack of a better word, better phrase, out there without actually giving it true meaning and context. So, like, I don't feel like we're any further along than where we were a few months ago. I guess have a benchmark of actually putting these two characters together for the first time in several months uh, and having them like, you know, having one of them, Peter, be like, come on, like, why are you being this way? Because, you know, that's kind of her answer. Um, So I guess that's progress in a sense, but like certainly not progress at 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 enough of a pace for me to be like, all right, we're going to we're going to have answers in X amount of months or X amount of issues. I don't think we're we're we're, we're that cl- much closer and, you know, I, I like I said a few minutes ago, I just don't have any reason to trust this editorial team to do this in a way where we're not going to just get this dragged out for every last bit that we can get out of it. Well, I think the thing that like kind of like uh, it's like I, I, I kind of like and don't like is this issue has taken what I think has previously been subtext about these two characters, Peter and MJ and their new relationship and made it into text. Right. So like what we learn in this issue is that Peter is still like in love with Mary Jane and considers her like the most important person in his life. And so, like, it's not that he broke up with her or whatever. He still, like, is holding on to those feelings, however weirdly deserved they were in the Nick Spencer run for MJ. MJ, for her part, like, he basically says, like, oh, like, you know, we can't talk, you know, talk. Is it because you're in love with Paul? And she doesn't respond. She, like, just kind of changes the conversation and says, no, it's about responsibility. And, you know, the implication there being like, she's not doing it because she loves Paul, right? There's something else. Something else is going on here that she feels some kind of responsibility for, whether it be those two kids that she's taking care of, or there's some villain that has gotten her into this situation or whatever. But I feel like JRJR's really beautiful pencils and you know character drawings had communicated kind of both of those things already to us right we have peter hanging out outside of her apartment and you know longing for her her hiding in a closet to talk to peter so that paul doesn't notice or even just her kind of like saying in the was issue four where she says to him or no issue um issue seven where she says you know, well, actually, and then she gets cut off by Paul. Like there's a level of like disconnect with Mary Jane. And here it's just like, it's just said, like it's confirmed. Like those are the things. So I feel good that I'm like, okay, like my reading of that wasn't wrong. And I like that, but I don't think you needed to do it because I was already on the right path. Like I'm an astute reader that read a beautifully written and illustrated comic. I don't need it to be bluntly presented for me, even though I did like that final, like white empty space that reminds me of uh, the media blizzard cover or the like issue was a two ninety with Spider-Man proposing to Mary Jane. Like uh, the negative space was nice, but now, now I'm praising something that I'm like kind of iffy on. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I, it's, yeah, I, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doubling down on, 
something that, you know, like you said, like was kind of left to subtext and was masterfully executed so that you could pick up on that subtext. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's like, you know, like watching watching Psycho and being like, oh, you know, the 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 Tony Perkins likes likes birds and he also kills women. You know what I mean? (laughs) But but like, 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 I I don't know. Like, it's just like, you know, like you mean a room full of taxidermy wasn't like making it clear enough. Well, right. Exactly. You know what I mean? So like, you know, like, oh, well, we'll we'll wait till you see this room, which is all the women I killed. You know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's it's just it's doubling down on something that, you know, I, like you said, I think as astute readers, it's, it's apparent. Like you don't, you don't, you know, like, I don't even like, are we even that astute? I I, I mean, you know, we're smart guys, Dan. I don't want to, I don't want to put us down, but like, is it that astute? I don't know. But like, I don't know. Twitter might tell you otherwise, I don't but that's... Twitter will tell you a lot of things. I, well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't pay attention to Twitter when it comes to my intelligence. That's all I'm going to say about that. So I, I will say know, like an addendum to this is like, I feel like this issue has a lot more in common with amazing Spider-Man 900 than it does the rest of the run, which is to say like, this is Zeb working under like an outsized pressure on the run and not really handling it all that well. Like to me, the like the storytelling is blunter and less subtle. And, you know, it makes me wonder about like who is bringing what to a comic. And and that's not even really all that worth assessing. Like people that like to bash Stan, you know, versus Steve or whatever, like it's these two minds that came together to create a thing. They are indelible, but you know, you and I have done this long enough to cover multiple runs of Spider-Man, especially through our seasons. And we're trying to kind of like, you know, assess Zeb as a writer, like who is he? What is he interested in? You know, and things like this make me really question like, okay, like what is Zeb contributing in regards to these stories? Because the quality has oscillated so wildly, but at the same time, I do know that like centennial issues and weird tie-ins, you know, are like often where most Spider-Man writers kind of stumble, which is to say editorial, you know, sticking its nose where it's not necessarily wanted, you know, if we're just to surmise, you know, something. All right, sir. Do you want to give a grade on this or or, or what? <laughs> is this, or is this gradeless or what do you think? This one to me is a D minus. I don't think it's an outright fail, but it's definitely like what frustrates me about a lot of Marvel comics. And the thing that's most upsetting to me is we have this dark web story coming up. And I said it on my Twitter the other day, like Wells has not really disappointed me, but having a like big mega arc, like we just got the solicits with all the books that are going to be a part of that. And that makes me really weary and which is not something I've been feeling about this run so far. And like Wells got done writing like a 12 or so, maybe more, it's more than that issues of Hellions, which I know is going to tie in to, to dark web. And I'm tempted to go and read that a bit closer, but like that already exhausts me, you know? And like, I just want a Spider-Man book that can operate on its own and maybe dark web will. But if this issue is anything to go by, I'm like, the thing that makes me sad about this issue is it sets me up for like kind of lowered expectations moving forward. I'm right there with you, Dan. Um, I was going to give this a D minus. I mean, the only thing that keeps it from going the full fail F for me is, you know, while 
I don't love Gleason as a storyteller here. It's still good enough to not be you, you get the a book can't look this good and be a, an F. That's all. You know what I mean? Like it, it it's a good looking book as a story. This this is a mess. Um, it does not inspire confidence for future crossovers. And yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to this dark web storyline. I, I have not been keeping up to date on the solicits the way you have. So that could make it that could may, I mean, maybe that's a good thing or maybe that makes it even worse. Uh, time will tell. But like, you know, this this book is this book is at its best when it, it is focused on Peter and Spider-Man and, and street level stuff. And any kind of diversion from that is is not met with open arms for me right now. That's that's all I got to say. Well, hey, if you at home find this show entertaining and valuable, please consider supporting us. Recommend Amazing Spider Talk to a friend. And if you're able, become a member on Patreon. We can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. We are constantly making exclusive content for our members. Yeah, so why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and put it towards a month's subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear our Patreon-exclusive review podcast on every new issue, like this one, of The Amazing Spider-Man the same week they come out instead of waiting a couple months for them to arrive in our public podcasting feed. Plus, I've been doing Twitter Space Hangouts with our patrons, and they've been discussing their thoughts on these issues, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. If you're just sick of hearing, well, if you're sick of hearing Mark and I talk, don't sign up for the Patreon. What are you doing listening to this? You know, if you if you like that and you want to hear some other varieties, like you're like, hey, I like this issue. What are Dan and Mark talking about? You know, those Twitter spaces have been pretty helpful for that. <laughs> if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. But yeah, we we don't want this to be a burden on anyone financially. We know that things are tough for people right now. So uh, we do appreciate those of you who just listen and share. Even if it's just a retweet on Twitter, they help us out a lot. Uh, But if you do have the means, please join our Patreon to support the continued existence of our show. There's a link in the description of this episode, which will guide you there and help Mark and I continue doing this. Especially now that I'm back and Mark and I are both fathers and you know, carving out these Sunday nights uh, went from, you know, easy to slightly less easy over the past few months. Um, but uh, yeah, so again, and a thank you to everybody who uh, supports us already. Uh, we are always grateful for your support and helping us do the show. Well, Dan, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Now, you may have noticed that Alan disappeared halfway through this episode. He had some technical difficulties, and uh, actually, we still don't really know what's going on at this point of the recording. You know, we said it at the top of the episode, a thank you to Alan, and I wanted to end this episode by also saying thank you to Alan for, for not only being available, but being excellent. I should have found an A word there. Awesome, Alan, coming on the show and filling in for me and doing a great job of it. And uh, I know our listeners will 
Actually, I think be sad to see him go. Um, but uh, hopefully we can have him back on again soon. I'm sure he'll be up for that. Alan, you will be missed, but we will see you again shortly, I imagine. Definitely, Dan. I, I, I you know, like I said earlier, he, he, he stepped in and, you know, like I think made a hard situation really easy to, to go forward with. And, you know, but like at the same time, Dan, you're you are my you are the Ben Riley to my Peter Parker. I am like, you know, I before he became chasm, chasm, whatever. Is that um, it? Did we have a six month time jump here? And now uh, I, I, I'm coming back evil. Is that is that what's I, happening? I, I hope not. I hope not. I mean, like, you know, like, you know, it's worth saying, like, for all the thank yous for Alan. Hey, brother, I'm, I'm just really happy to have you back. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I'm happy to be the, the cranky commentator again, instead of the, uh, the guy trying to drive the conversation, <laughs> uh, a lot, a lot of a load off, but you let me do this, the synopsis. So that, that, that's near and dear to me. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to when we start getting into the next season, which will be, yeah, I think sooner instead of later, despite real life trying to, to pull us out of that. Look, man, we're, 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 we're ready to rock and roll. You are the heart and soul of this show. Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm just glad you're back, man. And, you know, I know that, that, you know, Ben will, 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 will listen to these episodes and be like, oh, so that's what he's doing. Well, that's still pretty cool. Cause that's what my son does. So, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. That's really kind of you to say. And, um, you know, this is a, uh, uh, Yes, I, I, I think of you like a brother, and uh, I certainly talk to you more than I talk to my actual <laughs> brothers. But, uh, yeah, it takes a team to make this show, and um, that's a nice little seg to say. This episode was edited by Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider-Madge, and our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton from the Panels to Pixels YouTube channel. So, Mark, until I help you murder your wife's jewelry, what's our motto? Oh, man, I am so glad to be the one answering these questions instead of setting them up. With great <laughs> podcasts, there must also come the amazing Spider Top. Don't miss the next instant.